Welcome, everyone, to the Cover 3 Fantasy Football Podcast coming to you from Akron, Ohio. Today, we're going to be talking about our way-too-early pre-draft consensus top 10 running back rankings. Um, Just as a note, everything in this is going to be based off of if this were a redraft league um, with half-point PPR leagues. We understand there's obviously standard scoring, there's PPR scoring, but we're basing this off of half-point PPR leagues. So factor that in when you're considering these. Um, So just to get things started, we all had someone different in our top 10 that the others um, didn't agree with, didn't have in their top 10. So um, we're just going to give each person a chance to make their case for one of those guys that they had in there. Um, Brian, you had Austin Eckler coming in at nine, not too much of a stretch from where we were, but um, what is it that you love about him that thinks it'll be a top 10 finish for Eckler this year again? Yeah, so I like Eckler a lot. I mean, like like you said, I've got him at nine, so you know I'm not predicting him to finish over, you know, Christian McCaffrey or anything crazy. But you know, last year he was one of four running backs that had over a hundred targets. He was second in receptions among running backs, and obviously with Melvin Gordon gone, that really opens up the workload for him. So you know, they they obviously like Justin Jackson. They've kept him around, but they haven't pivoted to him yet as the the go-to guy. So continued to feed Eckler. He's gotten a lot of touches, and I can certainly see his role expanding a bit with Gordon out. The other thing that I really like about him is when Tyrod Taylor was in Buffalo, he really had a tendency to target running backs and tight ends. And with Eckler being a tremendous pass catcher, you know, obviously that fits in really well with what Tyrod does. And then, you know, if they were to pivot and take a, a quarterback in the draft, Again, with a, a young quarterback, they generally do a lot of checkdowns. And so in either case, I really like Eckler's potential for his usage there. Um, what about you, Jason? Who did you have? Um, I had Kenyon Drake. Um, I really like how he finished 2019. Um, he's got a high ceiling based off of the way they run that offense there in Arizona, the high-flying offense. Um, he's got the speed to break, to break long gainers, uh, touchdowns. He's just, he's got, he really fits. And I think his fit puts him up into the top 10. I actually put him at number eight in my top 10 list. Um, I think he has a pretty high ceiling in that offense. Uh, Kingsbury obviously likes those speedier backs, those guys that can really do some things in the open spaces. And um, I think he's got a really, really good year ahead of him. Uh, Top 10, I know, is he going to be a top three back? Probably not. Probably not going to make that top three, top five, but I see him definitely making a top ten push. Um, his floor seems to be pretty, pretty. Yeah, and for me, um, it was Le'Veon Bell. Um, some love him. Adam Gase hates him, um, but I have him coming in at RB nine this year. Um, lots of mixed yeah. opinions on Bell. For me, the big thing is I think last year um, was the worst that we're going to see from Le'Veon Bell. I think um, extremely inefficient. Um, I would blame a lot of that on their offense, their offensive line, their lack of weapons, um, you know, Darnold kissing who knows what to get sick and missing weeks. There was just a lot going on in New York last year. And and (laughs) Bell finished at 3.2 yards a carry, which is the worst he's finished in his career. Um, Past four years, he's been over four yards a carry easily. Um, Injuries weren't a concern last year, which was big for him. Um, And he was, you know, the only viable option on New York's team last year um, week in and week out he was steady um, 
had a really low floor was the big thing. He finished RB16 last year, um, even being as bad as they were, finished RB16. Their offense, I think, should be improved from last year um, with Darnold hopefully staying healthy, um, especially if they take a wide receiver in the draft, offensive lineman to get some protection by a little time, open up some holes. Um, the other thing was he didn't, he didn't really have the diva mentality a lot of people expected him to have. Um, sometimes running backs get that big contract and kind of um, take it easy, take a break, I guess. And um, his attitude was great all year, even though they were in a horrible situation. Um, he was he was great about everything. Only had three touchdowns last year. I think just by sheer volume, that has to go up. Um, their offense can't be that bad again. So um, for me, I think, you know, low floor. But um, if he has a few big weeks in there last year, he he would have easily finished in the top 10. And I expect that this year. So um, from there, we're going to segue in. We're moving on to our top 10 rankings. Again, this is our consensus ranking. So um, weighted average based on our own predictions of where these running backs will finish. Um, this can and probably will change after the draft and after, uh, you know, different news headlines come out before the league starts. But as of right now, um, the way we have them, we've got no other than Christian McCaffrey at RB1. Last year finished RB1 by an unbelievable margin, not even close. Um, finished second best fantasy player behind Lamar Action Jackson. Had 403 total touches, almost 2,400 total yards, and 19 total touchdowns. Um, Brian, you had him at RB1 for you, the only one in the bunch that did. Um, what is it that we can expect from Christian McCaffrey this year? Yeah, I think what you can expect from Christian McCaffrey this year is more of the same. So, you know, obviously it's really hard to repeat as a number one back. We've seen that with Gurley. We've seen it with several others over the years. But I don't even know what you say about CMC at this point. So last year he had one game under 13 fantasy points and only two games under 19 fantasy points. And just to add a little perspective to that, they were, he was the only running back that finished with more than 19 fantasy points per game on average. And he only had two games under that. So 14 of his games were better than the next best running backs average. In daily fantasy, for those, those daily fantasy players, it got to a point last year that you were building a lineup around him every week, and it didn't even matter how much he cost. He had eight games over 25 points, and he was the only running back with over 300 fantasy points and a half PPR, and he had 413 points, which is just an incredible number. They didn't have great weapons last year, and it didn't matter. They won't have great weapons again this year, and it still won't matter. Give me run CMC all day. He may come back to earth a bit this year, but 350 points is not at all out of the realm of possibility for him. Hmm. Well, Chris Caffrey, he is by far the number one consensus back. However, I did not have him as number one. I, in fact, had him at number two right behind somebody else. But uh, – you know, he's the typical workhorse back. He's going to – he's great in all aspects. He can catch. He can run between the tackles. He can bounce it to the outside. He's, he's going to get touchdowns. He's going to get every look, every imaginable look, whether it's on the goal line or just down the field. He's going to be active. He's going to get his, his, his numbers. I'm not trying to say he's not going to be a great – it's not going to be a great year. However, I did notice his quarterback change is going to Teddy Bridgewater. And that being said, what happened to Alvin Kamara last year? He had a loss of production. 
and t it, it started after Breeze went down. And so I, I almost wonder if, if that's going to have the same kind of an effect on Christian McCaffrey moving forward this year. Is Bridgewater going to look more towards the outside weapons as opposed to throwing it underneath to McCaffrey? That's, that's, the only, that's the only thing I have to say about dropping him from one to two. And really, it could end up being significantly less, or it could be minimal. I don't know. But he's still, he's still a workhorse back. I'd take him, hands down. He's top, top two. No one's arguing. If you've got the number one overall pick, you're taking Christian McCaffrey. Um, there's not a question about that. Um, durability has never been an issue, like Brian said. Hasn't missed a game. The big thing a lot of people point out is a new quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but the thing to note is he's not known for airing it out. Um, so he's, I mean, and typically in a new system, quarterbacks are going to check down a lot. They have their safety net, um, and there's no better safety net to have than Christian McCaffrey. Um, the big thing is he's got breakaway speed. He can turn any play, even the worst, into a 70-plus yard touchdown. Um, and the thing is, unlike others um, on this list, there's really no way to get him game scripted out. Um, if they're losing and have to pass the ball, even with the receivers they have, he's probably their best passing option. Um, if they're winning and burning clock, he's going to run the ball and he's probably going to have a few breakaway plays where he scores touchdowns. Um, last year, he obviously just unbelievable margins on everything, but I don't think you can expect much less this year. Um, you know, clear cut number one for most. Um, transitioning into number two, for me, my number one this year was Saquon. Um, we have him at number two overall in our rankings. Last year, he finished 10th among running backs with 269 touches, uh, just over 1,400 total yards and eight touchdowns. Um, injuries bothered him a little bit last year. There was a stretch there, um, had people rushing out to the waiver wire to pick up Wayne Gallman. I think Jason um, was one of those people had him in a couple leagues and he was rushing to replace him. But yeah. I had him as my number one. Um, for me, I think him and Christian McCaffrey, 1A, 1B, to really take your pick. I think Saquon is healthy this year. Their offense should be um, a little more improved, have a little more stability is the big thing. Obviously, Sterling Shepard, um, Evan Ingram missed a lot of time last year. They were transitioning from Eli to Daniel Jones, which actually went better than most expected. Um, but for me, the big thing is, it's it's just rare that a running back finishes number one overall again, back-to-back uh, -back years. So uh, take your pick of the two, but for me, I'm I'm just going towards Saquon as a as a change of top status here. Yeah, and I I totally understand what you're saying there. Um, I obviously like Saquon a lot as well. I had him down at number three, um, and what you're talking about there, him getting a lot of his weapons back. I certainly agree with that. Um, another thing that I've seen is um, obviously they're picking fourth in the draft as of right now. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that pick. I've seen, you know, a lot of mocks have them taking somebody like Simmons, which would obviously help the defense, but it's not going to help Saquon a lot. On the flip side, several others have projected they're going to take an offensive lineman, and that would be a, a huge help for Saquon. Um, you know, you've already talked a little bit about Saquon being banged up. You know, he, he played in 13 games last year. He was on a pretty bad offense without a lot of weapons, to your point. Um, he experienced a lot of growing pains with a rookie quarterback. So defense is clearly keyed on Saquon a lot. He was the obvious focal point of the offense. But even with that, he still managed over four and a half yards per carry and you know barely got over that 1,000-yard rushing mark. 
Um, for me, I'm expecting Daniel Jones to take a, a step forward in year two, which should help open up the offense for him a bit. And, you know, even with missing three games, he still had over 50 catches and 70 targets last year. And that puts him right in that Zeke Elliott territory, which is a you know, it's good company to keep. So, you know, th- to me, there's not a whole lot of difference between those two guys. But I like Saquon a lot. Yeah, Saquon, I had him at three, which I guess you can call him three. You can call him one C, I guess. Uh, he has great game-breaking ability, uh, great hands to catch catching the football. Uh, great speed, great size. Now, one one thing that I do notice about Saquon, he, he is very reliant on the big play, and that's not a consistent thing that you can count on week to week. However, he seems to break those big runs more often than most. Uh, he's going to get all aspects of the game. They're going to they're going to workhorse him to death. They're going to give him uh, in the running game, the passing game goal line I mean he's he's going to be that that back that you can you can definitely lean on now last last year he missed three games uh, and in those three games that he missed Wayne Gallman came in and is nothing like Saquon so you're not worried about him getting handcuffed um, when you, if you're taking him you don't feel feel the need to maybe have you can take Gallman late or if they draft somebody take him late but again, like Brian had said, you know, we'll see how the draft pans out. If they if they land a big lineman or they get a couple linemen to fill some holes on that line, he could shoot up the board to one A at this point, one um, B. Uh, but that's that's kind of where I have him at three. But overall, two, absolutely. Um, take those quads, put them in your lineup, and just let it roll. Um, we've got <laughs> coming in at three. We've got Zeke Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas. Cowboys, um, really popular around these parts, being a, a former Buckeye. He finished as RB4 last year with uh, 355 total touches, almost 1,800 total yards, and 14 total touchdowns. Um, Jason, you were the lowest on him. Again, none of us had him super far down, um, but at number five, um, what makes you think that he's going to regress a bit, or what don't you like about him heading into the year? Well, it's not so much what I don't like about him. It's what I like about the other ones ahead of him. Um, he's going to he, – he's a top five running back. I had him at five. He's a top five running back every year. Top three, we have him at three. Um, but I personally think he'll be um, – he'll take a little regression, a little bit, just because I think the overall workload over the last three years has started to – it's going to break him down a little bit. And I think it's going to you're going to see a little more of Tony Pollard or maybe another back come in and kind of give him a little bit more spell just because of the over amount of work he's had over the last few years. Uh, I think they're, they'll want to save him considering how much money they're paying him. They want to be able to keep him fresh for the entire season and into the next few years because they are going to be paying him a fortune. So I had Zeke at two. I, I love Zeke. I think he's a fantastic player. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Um, but, you know, as a, a, an owner in a lot of leagues of Zeke Elliott, I have a lot of shares. Um, you know, there were times when I'd be sitting there on Sunday watching the game and suddenly you see Pollard come in and, and the drive starts at their 35 and you know, Pollard's in there and that's fine. And they get down to the goal line and you look and Pollard's still in there. They're giving the entire series to Tony Pollard. And so, you know, that to me is a little bit of a concern. But uh, as I was looking through, I realized that Pollard actually had fewer touchers, touches than Alexander Madison and Gus Edwards. So obviously there were no issues there with Dalvin Cook and Mark Ingram last year. 
Um, and likewise, I don't see any significant issues there for Zeke. Um, you know, he, he's the quintessential workhorse running back. He trailed only Derrick Henry in carries while still averaging four and a half yards per carry. And then he added 54 catches, which put him second behind Christian McCaffrey for total touches. Um, you know, with all of that work, he had 14 total touchdowns. Obviously, they've paid a lot of money to Amari. They're going to do the same with Dak, but you know the offense still runs through Zeke. It's interesting when you look over the past couple of years, though, that this past year was actually his worst year in fantasy points per game, and he still finished fifth in that category. I don't see any more regression coming than that. I think the regression that we saw is what we're going to get from, from here on out. I think it's going to be um, better than that. And they've got Mike McCarthy coming in. So, you know, in 2018, he had 77 catches. And then last year, that dropped to 54. I think with McCarthy coming in, that number is going to go back up. So I like the usage there for Zeke. I like his situation. Like I said, the offense runs through him. And so I'm expecting big things in 2020 for Zeke. Yeah, I agree. Um, Coming in at three, I had him at four. Um, Three of his first four seasons here, he's gotten over 300 rushing attempts. Uh, So you know the work is going to be there. That's not a question. They just signed a six-year extension showing that he's obviously a part of their long-term plan. Um, They don't plan to change what they're doing with him. And last year, Brian just pointed out, last year he had less targets um, and receptions. But with those, he was a little more efficient, almost a yard per catch more efficient. Um, You know, so take that as you will. But if he's being a little more efficient, if Mike McCarthy can help get those catches back up, you know, an extra 20 or 30 catches in there with that extra yard per catch. Um, that, that helps a lot when you break that down over a season. Uh, and we know he's not really a, a, a pass catching back. When you think of Zeke, that's not what you think of. You think of between the tackles, um, a, a true running back, um, which is kind of the reason that most would probably not have him at one or two. He's a little capped in the, in the passing game, whereas, you know, Saquon and Christian McCaffrey um, heavily involved in the passing game. But, I think, you know, the other thing is Zeke doesn't really rely on the big breakout games. Um, he's about as consistent as you can get. He doesn't need to have a 30, 40-point game here and there, um, but he's just steady, steady as they come. And uh, barring injury, I'd say he's a lock to be a top-five running back. Obviously, depending on how things play out, could finish better. He's only missed time so far, significant time because of the one suspension, and then he was rested in week 17 before the playoffs for two years. So up to this point, injuries have not been a concern for him. Yeah, which is a big thing that you look at for a running back, especially one that's getting as many carries as he's getting. Um, And it's funny, most people point out, you know, with Leonard Fournette that he's going to face injuries because of how much work he gets. But he actually had less rushing attempts in the past three years than Zeke has. Um, And I think that's due to the fact that he has had a few injuries and Zeke hasn't really missed any time due to injuries. I was just going to add that uh, with Tony Pollard behind him, of course, that that's, that's where I, I had him down to five in my list. That's the only, that's the only thing that got him to five was because of Tony Pollard and his, his potential increase in production this year. So Jason's got him at five. All of us have him in the top five. Um, can't go wrong with picking Zeke. And then at four, we've got one that Jason, you've actually got him at number one. Um, yeah. So Alvin Kamara came into last year. Um, I don't know if you remember this. Last year, he was expected to be a top three back. Some considered that he may be the top overall. It was kind of a, you know, take your pick between him, McCaffrey, and uh, Saquon. And 
Last year, though, he finished as RB12 in half-point PPR, and he had 171 carries for just under 800 yards and five touchdowns to go with 81 catches, um, which ironically had the past two seasons as well, and one touchdown there. Um, Jason, you have him as the number one overall running back for you this year. Um, you must not have gotten burned last year. So how, how does he go from 12 to one this year? Um, I think, I think the quarterback play is going to change things dramatically with Teddy Bridgewater coming in for Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees likes to lean on him in the passing game, obviously 81 catches a year. Uh, you, you can put that in the bank. That's going to happen. He's going to get his catches. He's going to get his, his, his yards through receiving. But I think his production in the running game is going to go up as well, based off of the fact that the defenses are going to have to play a little a little off. Having that Drew Brees back there at quarterback, you can't commit to them running the ball as much. There go, there's going to be more holes, more big plays. And I, I think he's really going to bounce back this year. He's still a young guy. He's still early 20s. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to be great. I just, to me, he's going to take that, that step up. He's got, he's got all the ability to do it. Um, I just, to me, he, he I, th I think this is a bounce back year for him. He is to me the top candidate to have a bounce back year, and I think he's going to bounce all the way up to the top. Yeah, we were, we were talking about this before we got started. Um, that I, I actually am the lowest on Alvin Kamara, um, not outside of my top ten, but I have him at number seven this year. Um, for me, he's got he's got big playability. There's no question there. But last year, if you look at it, he had uh, zero games with over 100 rushing yards, um, which may not be concerning to some. But Latavius Murray had two games over 100 rushing yards as the backup. Um, both of them had six touchdowns on the year, um, and Murray got more touches inside the 20. He got more touches inside the 10, and he got more touches inside the five than Kamara, which is always concerning when your running back isn't getting the red zone work, especially as a pass catching back like Kamara. And Murray converted 50% of those touches into touchdowns, whereas Kamara only converted 37%. So he was a little more efficient. Um, and that's, that's the big thing for me is I don't think that Murray goes away. I think they like what they have in that um, opposite style of back there. And I think he's efficient enough that he's still going to get some work, just enough to knock off a little value from Kamara. Um, in 2018, obviously, Alvin Kamara had 18 touchdowns compared to six last year. I think he probably finishes somewhere closer in the 10 to 12 range this year. Um, and as I said, it was just last year that people had him potentially being number one, and he finished 12th. So for me, I just think they have a lot of weapons. Um, and just the weapons that they have is going to kind of cap him from being an RB1. But he's obviously a guy with big playability. No doubt he has the ability to finish top three. I just think I'm a little lower this year on him. Yeah, and I think the, the points that you guys have made are actually a lot of the same things that I was thinking as I was looking through um, my, my rankings this year and putting those together. Um, you know, you, Toby, you made a great point about Murray. Obviously, he's, he's more efficient inside the, the red zone, and those are the most valuable touches for a running back. So that certainly hurts him. Uh, you know, for me, I had Kamara at number five, so obviously I like him a lot. I like him as a top five back, but um, in my opinion, um, Kamara and another guy that we're going to talk about in just a second, they begin that second tier of running backs. So, you know, to me, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke, and Saquon are right there in that top tier, and then Kamara 
um, begins that, that next year down. So, you know, I think he's great. I really like him. But, you know, part of the concern that I have as well is the, the offense in general. Uh, you know, once Mark Ingram moved on, everybody was expecting great things out of Alvin Kamara. So his season last year was obviously a little disappointing, but it wasn't just him. It was the whole offense. And a lot of that had to do with Drew Brees going down, of course. But, you know, the offense as a whole, they scored nine points against Atlanta, nine points against the Rams, 12 against Dallas, 13 against Jacksonville. Like, that's not the high-powered offense of the Saints that you're expecting, that you're you're looking for. And so, you know, one of the other things that I was looking at as well is the rushing volume that he had. And Toby, you already mentioned this. He didn't have any 100-yard games, but he also finished behind Ronald Jones and Miles Sanders in carries, and he only finished five ahead of the eternal Frank Gore. And that, you know, that, that that's not the the company that you want to be keeping as a top five back. So, you know, on the upside though, he did average 4.7 yards per carry, so it proves that he's an effective runner when he gets the ball. And like you've already said, he scored six touchdowns last year, and again, I think that's going to increase like you. I think that number is going to be higher. So, you know, I'm not too down on Kamara, but um, it was definitely a disappointing year last year. Brian mentioned the person we're going to talk about next. It's a similar situation. Uh, Jason actually has him the lowest at seven here. So we're just kind of flipping places. I've got him the highest at three in my standings. We've got Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings. I finished his RB five and half point PPR last year at over 300 total touches with almost 1,700 total yards. Uh, 13 total touchdowns. Um, again, I have him at number three. And for me, looking at Cook, um, last year he obviously had the shoulder injury, uh, missed the last couple weeks. But if you take those weeks off, um, looking at weeks one through 14, even dealing with a hamstring issue for multiple weeks in there, he averaged just over 20 fantasy points a game. Um, and if he would have kept that pace and not set out the last two games, I uh, would have put him at RB2 behind Christian McCaffrey, still by a large margin. But slightly ahead of the other running backs there. Um, you know, when you bring up Dalvin Cook, the first thing that comes to mind for most or anyone who's had him on their team yet, durability is the biggest concern. Um, he's always right. dealt with injuries, even heading back into college and high school. Um, so when you're drafting and you're looking at a guy like Dalvin Cook as your next up on the board, um, it really comes down to if you believe he can stay healthy. Uh, I think having the extended time to rest and recover, getting almost a full season under his belt last year, I think he's going to come back and he'll be fine. So for me, that's the big thing. Um, but a big part of all these running backs we're talking about is the team's game plan. Um, there's nothing worse than having a stud player that a team won't utilize correctly. Example, OJ Howard, we're looking at you, Bruce Arians. But when you look at the Vikings, they want to run the ball. They have plenty of weapons. Last year they had plenty of weapons, but they want to run the ball. They want to be a run-first team. Um, and his rushing stats from last year, I think they're easy du easily duplicated. They're not far-fetched, crazy numbers. He didn't have a historic pace, but 250 carries, 1,135 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Those are those are good running back numbers. But I think they're very doable again, especially in the offense that he's in. Um, he had 53 catches last year, but no touchdowns. I would expect just by nature of sheer volume that he would get at least two or three touchdowns this year, and just two or three touchdowns in the passing game without changing any of his other stats. Um, would have been the difference in him finishing running back two instead of running back five. So for me, I I'm buying into a healthy Dalvin Cook having a great year. Yeah, you mentioned the volume there, and obviously um, they like to run the ball. They have liked to run the ball for a while now. And, you know, when Kevin Stefanski was there last year, he was still learning about that new invention in the NFL called the forward pass. So uh, he was 
definitely leaning very heavily on the running backs. But um, in all of that, Dalvin had 250 carries and 50 catches, which to me, honestly, feels about right for him. I don't expect him to ever be a true workhorse back because of the injury history that you mentioned already, Toby. So, I mean, he's an excellent player. He's now being used the right way, I think. Um, I, you know, so for me, I had him at number three, um, or I'm sorry, number four. And, you know, that really, him and Kamara, that begins that second tier for me, like I was saying. So I actually prefer Cook a little bit over Kamara. But I think that 300 total touches a year is, you know, if you if you get any more than that with him and his injury history, I think you're going to be in trouble longer term. And, you know, if you're thinking about drafting Dalvin, you're likely taking him in the middle to the end of the first round right now. And, you know, it's it's – it's at least a concern, obviously, when you, you think about taking somebody that high and whether or not they're going to be available for 16 games, for 10 games, if he's going to play at all. And so, you know, if he's on the field, I like him a lot. It's going to be interesting, too, to see how he's impacted by the loss of Stephon Diggs. You know, obviously, they didn't throw the ball a ton, but having a guy like Diggs out on the field can really help create some additional space for the running back. So, and, you know, seeing the loss there, it's going to be inter interesting to see what they do to replace Diggs and see if they can still have a field stretcher out there. The one other thing that I would mention real quick is for Dalvin Cook in particular, I think having a handcuff is very important. And that uh, for him is Alexander Madison. You know, he had a little bit of standalone value on his own, but if Dalvin Cook goes down, you can plug Madison into your lineup and you've got a top 10 running back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you loud and clear, Brian. I understand the, uh, concept of Dalvin Cook and, and the handcuff of Madison uh, but he did prove what he could do when he is healthy he obviously had a tremendous year last year and you did mention Kevin Stefanski with him being gone I wonder how that's going to affect the running game how that's going to affect the amount of volume that he gets this year uh, by sheer law of averages um, I, I just I don't think he'll get quite that volume like he did last year. I think they're going to take a little bit off him and lean a little bit more on Madison. Um, but he did prove that when he is when he is healthy, he is a beast. I mean, he is absolutely a monster, and he does have that big playability where he can just take it to the house. But the other thing I wonder is looking at, and this is going to sound a little off the cuff, a little off the wall. They're chucking the ball a lot because they have no cornerbacks to cover any receiver on teams they play. There go, I don't think they're going to be able to lean on the running game like they did last year and be able to milk the clock and play that style of game. I think they're going to have to be airing it out a lot more. Well, his catches go up, sure. But I don't think his production is going to go up. I think by lack of running, I think it's going to really influence his, his fantasy value uh, based off of the games. That I, think that, I think they'll be getting blown out quite a bit having no corners. Uh, they lost a lot on the D-line. I mean, their defense is totally decimated, and I think that's going to really hurt his value moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I think their defense is going to be a bit depleted from last year. They've lost quite a bit, um, especially looking like Everson Griffin's not coming back either. Um, cornerback is definitely going to have to be addressed in the draft for them. Um, that is a very valuable point there. I I think another thing to note, it's a contract year for Dalvin Cook, and they haven't even started talking extension yet, um, which is a bit concerning when you've got someone with that injury history, but um, not uncommon. Um, and I agree with what Brian said. For me, 
running back three, I would definitely take him in the first round if I'm, you know, middle first round and he's still there. Um, but that's with, with the understanding that I'm probably taking Alexander Madison as his handcuff. Um, that's right. I, I think, like you said, he's, he's a plug and play. If, if Cook goes down, Madison is coming right in to assume a, a you know, a top 20 running back role immediately. Um, and right now, you know, Alexander Madison's being drafted back of the ninth, early 10th round with guys like Jamal Williams, Tariq Cohen, Tevin Coleman, James White. Um, so, you know, if, if, if I'm taking that risk on him, I'm definitely spending that draft capital to get Alexander Madison as well, just to sure that up. And moving on to the next one here, we've got Derek Henry, uh, the big beast, finished third last season. Um, I love Derrick Henry. I, like most dynasty owners that have him, have been waiting for this since 2017. Um, last year, over 1,500 yes. rushing yards, uh, 16 touchdowns. His two worst games came against the second and 10th best rushing defenses in the NFL. Um, Brian, what, what can we look for from Derrick Henry this year? Yeah, let me first just throw out there that he stole the rushing title last year. That was Nick Chubb's title. And he came out and put up over 200 yards in week 17 to steal that. But, you know, good for him. It's, it's, it's well-deserved. Uh, I have him down at number eight, personally. I like Derrick Henry, but he's very game script dependent. He only had 18 catches last year, which is an incredibly low number in today's NFL. And so when you start talking about you know, involvement in, in the offense in general, you want to see your running back getting targets, getting, getting touches, um, not just by carrying the ball, but obviously on the receiving end as well. And it's not that he can't do it, but for some reason, they just don't use him that way at all. Um, and you, two things come to mind for me when I think of Derrick Henry, and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, on the one hand, uh, A.J. Brown had a great year last year, and as he continues to evolve and take more of the defense's focus, I think that'll really help to open up running lanes for Derrick Henry. So that's obviously a big, a big bonus to have him on the field. But on the other hand, at six foot three, 240 pounds, Derrick Henry is one of the biggest running backs in the league, and he runs like it. He's arguably the most physical player at one of the most physically demanding positions. And it's, it might sound crazy, but at 26, with that running style, I think we'll probably see a, a decline in him sooner rather than later. You were talking about dynasty and you know waiting for this moment. Unfortunately, for a lot of dynasty owners, I think uh, this is probably an opportunity to sell high. I don't think he's going to be much worse in 2020 than he was in 19. That's why I have him at eight. But, uh, you know, personally, if I own him in a dynasty league, I'm looking to to move him for somebody else of, of high value. Yeah, he is. He is a beast. Um, I would not want anything to do with trying to bring him down in the open field. That's for sure. Uh, the, the problem that I do have with Derrick Henry, I do have him ranked uh, quite high myself. I have him ranked as the, fourth running back uh, obviously around the goal line you wouldn't want anything to do with trying to tackle him with a full head of steam into a pile uh, he is he is a massive man but the play calling uh, there in Tennessee uh, they they relied so much on him last year and they leaned on him so much last year with so many carries I do wonder if he would have a setback based off of the the full workload that he had last year but also, their play calling, it's, 
they just they, they don't throw the ball to really create any opportunities for him to catch passes. Uh, they don't really throw the ball enough for him to catch passes. You're throwing the ball, you know, nine, 12 times a game. Uh, there's just no, no volume for production in the passing game. But on the other side of it, um, he has all the tools. He's going to be that lead back. And for me, yeah, he's probably on the, the second tier of backs. I, don't, I wouldn't put him at the top tier of backs, but he is the second tier of backs for me. Um, I think he's, he's definitely, you know, behind him. There's nothing behind him that scares me too much just because of his ability to make people miss in the open field. And also the speed he has breakaway speed. Once he gets to that second level, the yards after contact he has can just go on and on because defensive backs, he can outrun them. But if you try to come at him, he'll, that stiff arm, he'll push him down. And so the, the big runs that are 10 to 12 yards end up becoming 22 touchdown, taking it to the house type carries. And so I think that'll, that'll roll sure. over into next year as well. So that's, that, that's why I have him ranked at number four back, just because of the, the workload he will get. Yeah, for sure. I think you make a good point there with his, his breakaway speed. As big as he is, he has breakaway speed. And once he gets to that second level, um, you know, we saw it in the playoffs where Earl Thomas said he didn't understand why people were so afraid to tackle him. And then the next game um, came the infamous meme where he was turned around <laughs> running away from him being stiff-armed in the back. Yes. Um, and I, I, I would agree, just real quick, I would agree with what Brian said. Um, if you have Derrick Henry in a dynasty league, I would consider trading high only if you're not contending this year. If you're in contention and you have a chance to win your league this year, I wouldn't trade him. But if you're a bottom feeder and you're stuck drafting first or second every year, I would consider moving him for a few picks, uh, maybe, you know, another starter and a first round pick. Um, you know, I, I think you just have to play your cards right when it comes to that. But the big thing that we pointed out, you know, dynasty owners were happy this year. Um, Derek Henry was projected, you know, in the, in the mid to late teens as a running back last year, heading into the season. Um, and if you bought on him, then obviously you were extremely happy, finished way better than expected. Um, but the Titans have finally found out how to utilize him properly. We've been waiting for him to be the workhorse there and get those carries. Um, and at the end of 28 is when we really saw it, those last four games where he just had an unbelievable pace. And then last year, they just ran away with it. Um, and watching him, you can see um, a big thing is the eye test. And you can see as the game goes on, other players start to tire out. The defense kind of wears down, but he just never lets up. He doesn't lose steam. He's constantly running people over. So, uh, you know, as the game goes on, he seems to get stronger because everyone else is wearing down. But a big thing that people will point out, he's not a pass catching back. So he's limited. Um, I would say if you have watched Derrick Henry, you know this. Last year he only caught 18 passes. Um, that's about what he's always done, 13, 15, 12, 18 uh, but he still finished third in fantasy points. I don't expect him to have 1,500 rushing yards again, but I do think that he's going to see that that work that workload still there. Um, and again, another team that trusts their defense and wants to run the ball. I expect the Titans to be winning in a lot of games, and with clock management, they're going to continue to run the ball even more. Um, a few years ago, they weren't a very good team, and they had Deion Lewis as a big free agent signing, and people thought, uh, because of the game flow, they would be losing and utilize the pass catching back or Deion Lewis a little more. Um, it was about an even split that that year, but now that their defense is better, 
Their offensive line is great. They've got a capable quarterback in there to win games. And I expect them to be winning, be ahead more often than not. And that allows them to stick to their plan of feed Derrick Henry the ball. Coming in, we've got Aaron Jones. Surprise fantasy finish last year. Uh, finished second in fantasy points among running backs with just over 290 total fantasy points. Um, only a little over 100 points behind Christian McCaffrey, but 236 <laughs> carries, almost 1,100 yards, 16 touchdowns to go along with 68 catches uh, for almost 500 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. Um, kind of an enigma here for most. I've got him at 12, out just outside of my top 10, and I think you guys are obviously pretty pretty similar there at 6, so I, I'll just jump right in. For me, Aaron Jones is a case of just Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, last year, he had five weeks where he was under six points, and then four weeks where he was over 27 fantasy points, including that 45-point outburst against Dallas. Um, he had five games with multiple touchdowns and then eight games with no touchdowns. Um, so extremely talented running back. Last year made a lot of people's potential breakout list, one that you would draft late based off the ADP, um, but expect them to do better. But the big thing was the contingency that the Packers needed to free Aaron Jones. They needed to stop splitting time with Jamal Williams and give that man the ball. And that's what they did last year, kind of. Um, if that 45-point game was a 20-point game, which is still a really, really good fantasy game, if that 45-point game was just a 20-point game, just not historic, just that one change would have made him finish as RB5 instead of RB2. Um, and obviously, Aaron Jones on this list probably has one of the wider range of outcomes here because it is so up and down with them. Um, it wasn't just that he had off games, but there were five games where Jamal Williams got double-digit rushing attempts. Uh, multiple games where he had over five or five targets in the passing game. And it just seemed like, especially Brian, you can probably attest to this as an Aaron Jones owner in the league. Um, you just wanted Jamal Williams to either get traded or injured because you never knew how much he was going <laughs> to cut into Aaron Jones's play every week. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely uh, a, a struggle. So I love Aaron Jones because he helped me win a, a championship this year, but, uh, on the flip side, it's, it's funny. I'm pretty sure that you stole my notes because I had down Aaron Jones is an absolute enigma. So uh, it's funny that you used the same word, but you know, like you were talking about, he had five games with six or fewer fantasy points, which absolutely is devastating as a fantasy owner. But those five games were also the only games that he was held under 14 fantasy points. So he was either hot or cold. And when he was hot, he was red hot. But when he found his way into the doghouse, he was useless. And the, the concerning part for me is those five bad games came in weeks one, six, nine, 12, and 13, which is alarming because they were spread all throughout the year. I really wish they would have been at the beginning of the year and you would have seen him you know, gradually improve from there, but you saw him having bad games throughout the year. Now, the good, as you've already touched on, he had a four-touchdown game, a three-touchdown game, and four two-touchdown games. He's the only player in the NFL that could say that last year. And he was tied for the lead league among running backs with 19 touchdowns. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting, we all know that McCaffrey is fantastic. We already covered that. But Aaron Jones' two best games last year were better than McCaffrey's two best games. So the ability is unquestionably there. It's just a matter of Green Bay committing to him for a full season this time. And Jason, I know that you had him ranked even a little higher than I did. I had him at seven and you had him at six. 
Um, what do you have to say about him? Yeah, I, I would take Aaron Jones in my starting role. Uh, yes, like you guys had both mentioned, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde inconsistency um, is there. However, in 2018, he, he had split carries with Jamal Williams, but then he seemed to take that at the end of 2018 by the horns. And then in this, this past year, 2019, it was his. It was his job. Uh, they did feed Williams a little bit, uh, a little bit more than I would have liked to see for Aaron Jones, um, because he has all the skill set as far as receiving, running ability. Uh, Aaron Rodgers getting a little older; they're probably going to lean a little bit more on Aaron Jones running the football. Obviously, with the the amount of touchdowns, sixteen, that's going to be a tough number to duplicate, which is why he's not way up, way up on my list. But he is a little higher at six. Uh, because trying to duplicate 16 touchdowns from year to year is kind of tough to do. Uh, I could see him maybe getting a 10 to 12 touchdowns, maybe a couple more Pat receiving uh, touchdowns in there, and maybe quite a few less rushing uh, due to um, – we'll, we'll see what Green Bay does with the draft. Do they address receiver? Do they address O-line? Do they address defense? What do they do as far as the draft goes and see where he goes from there? But I think number six is a good spot for him. I know we have him listed – at number seven, but I had him at six. Uh, he's solid. Uh, he's definitely in that second tier. I wouldn't put him below second tier, but I, I wouldn't put him quite a number at the first tier either, just based off of we'll see if he can continue that progress uh, in 2020. So. You're talking about uh, the Packers potentially addressing receiver in the draft. Are you saying you don't trust Devin Funches to be the answer? Absolutely not. I trust Devin Funches <laughs> as much as I would trust. Um, my kids telling me a lie. That's how much I would trust them. I, mean, I don't trust it at all. As a quick note, Devin Funches used to be one of Jason's prized possessions in our dynasty league <laughs> until he fell out of his good graces. But um, question for both of you, having Aaron Jones inside your top 10, um, you know, around that five, six, seven range, would you be comfortable taking him as your RB1 with a typical guy going as an RB2 like Mark Ingram, Miles Sanders, or Todd Gurley? For me, I am. Um, you know, Aaron Jones, I've got him at, at seven, like I said. Um, I like him better than all of those guys that you mentioned. It's, yeah, that, that's kind of the range for me. and I think we'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but that's the range where you start talking about you know, receiver versus running back. But if I've missed the run of top running backs, I am very comfortable with Aaron Jones as my RB1. Yeah, I, I would actually even go a little further down my list before I would even get to receiver. Uh, having the, the top, top two-tier type back, I would, definitely, I would definitely have Aaron Jones as my number one back without question. I, I agree with you completely, Brian. He has a number one running back, and yeah, I would still take him over a top flight receiver. Understandable. I would probably vary there. Obviously, I don't have him in my top 10, but for me, um, just not consistent enough for me to trust him as my RB1. Do with that what you will. But coming up next, uh, we've got Joe Mixon uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals. He finished <laughs> touche. Uh, he finished RB13 <laughs> last year, just over 1,100 rushing yards, almost 300 receiving yards, and eight total touchdowns. Uh, most of that came at the end of the year. Brian, as a Cincinnati fan, you may have a little more insight than us. Um, you've got him outside your top 10, just just outside at number 11. 
Um, what, what are your thoughts on him heading into this year? I do. So obviously he was disappointing last year. And as a Bengals fan, it's, it's no surprise for sure that the entire team was disappointing last year. I mean, there's a reason we're drafting Joe Burrow number one here in a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, I, I remember sitting down for week one against Seattle and I was thinking our offense is probably going to surprise some people. I'm excited about this. Mixon ran for 10 yards, right. 10, 10 yards. Are you kidding me? Surprise. He had seven games. Yeah, I, that was a surprise, all right. He had seven games with less than nine fantasy points last year, and he didn't have a single game where he was on the field for 80% of the team's snaps. And there were only three where he was on the field for more than 70. So it's a little bit of an inexact comparison, but just for reference, over the second half of the year, he was only on the field two more snaps per game than Kareem Hunt who is obviously the number two, the clear number two back on his team. So, you know, what they're doing there, they're, they're obviously trying to air the ball out quite a bit. They're getting Gio Bernard on the field a lot. And I, I just don't understand what they're doing at running back, to be frank. They paid Gio Bernard last year. They drafted Rodney Anderson and Travion Williams, and they seem to like both of those guys. Not to mention the offensive line is dreadful. I mean, they're getting Jonah Williams back, who was their first-round pick last year because they love taking offensive linemen in the first round. But Bobby Hart is not good. The Billy Price pick a couple of years ago was just awful. And I think the original Michael Jordan is probably better at guard right now than the one they started with the same name last year. It's just, it's, it's dreadful. It's tough. I'm sorry. But on the bright side, the things I do like about Mixon at least are that as the season progressed, he did seem to get better and they got him more involved. His three best weeks last year were in the final four weeks of the season. And despite the horrendous start that he had, he still finished with over 1,100 yards on the ground and eight touchdowns. To your point, that was good enough for 13th in total fantasy points. So, you know, with all of that said, I don't hate Joe Mixon, but it's really hard for me to trust him as a top 10 guy. Now, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft if they address some of those holes at offensive line and obviously the, the huge hole at quarterback. So if they can do that and really start to build a solid offense, then he can finish well inside the top 10. But as the team stands right now, I just can't trust him. Made a lot of points there. But before I start, do you want to tell us how you really feel? Yeah, that wasn't clear, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think nice. for me, obviously he's very up and down as well, looking at last year's numbers. Um, but the big thing when I look at it is that the Packers were a playoff team while the Bengals were vying for the number one pick. Um, and, and again, it's similar to my thought with Le'Veon Bell that, um, you know, the talent is obviously there, but last year we probably saw the worst that we're going to see from him. I don't expect their team to be that horrible again. I don't expect them to be a playoff team, but I don't expect them to be that horrible. And, you know, um, he averaged just over four yards a carry with how bad that line was last year. Not amazing, but he at least salvaged the run game a little bit. And sure, their team battled injuries. Um, Brian, you would know this better than all of us, but they're, they're receivers. Their top four receivers all missed time at some point last year with A.J. Green not playing at all. Um, and it was a rough year for the Bengals, to say the least. I don't expect them to suddenly be this amazing team, but having A.J. Green back, having Tyler Boyd healthy and good to go, John Ross healthy and back in the fold, um, you know, Auden Tate back off the engine reserve. And it appears Joe Burrow is going to be under center. I think that offense is better than what we saw last year. And that being the floor for Joe Mixon, I think the only place to go is up from there. 
Um, as we pointed out, he obviously had a slow start, but really turned it around at the end of the year. Um, hopefully you didn't sell him off as a fantasy owner, sell him low in the middle of the year. Hopefully you held on to him and just waited. But I'm a believer in Mixon. I've got him at seven. I think he bounces back and has a great year this year. I agree with your comment about Michael Jordan, Ryan. The Michael Jordan uh, in the NBA that played in the NBA can still be a better guard now than the Michael Jordan <laughs> for the Cincinnati Bengals. But, uh, yeah, they're, they had awful offensive play calling. They had awful offense. They had an awful defense. They had an awful – well, everything. And so for Joe Mixon, he really was in a bad situation. Um, it didn't matter what running back he put back there. It, it, it wasn't going to change what the outcome. But uh, I do think with the additions of Joe Burrow coming up in the draft, and yes, Brian, they are not going to be trading that pick. They will be taking Joe Burrow. <laughs> um, they are going to get their quarterback. Uh, they're going to get some uh, linemen back healthy. Uh, I think they're. I think he's prized to have a great year. Uh, great. How how great? I have him at ten in my in my rankings. Uh, he did come in in our list at number eight. Um, I think I think he could be an, a one a one B type back, two A type back. Um, he he has the abilities. It's the quarterback play, play calling, and the offensive line. He is completely hostage to those. If if Joe Burrow comes in and looks like he's going to be a top 15 quarterback, Joe Mixon could have a great year. He could have a great year. He could be a top seven or eight back for sure. But if Joe Burrow comes in and, and looks like a rookie and is throwing picks left and right and he's struggling, maybe he's got a little David Klingler in him. Sorry, Brian, to bring up that that name. <laughs> but um, maybe he's got some David Klingler in him and he, he, or a Keely Smith type thing going on. Yeah, we could see him struggle way. again this year. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if he's if Joe Burrow will kind of contemplate whether or not Joe Mixon has a great year. So the same question for you guys then that you posed on Aaron Jones. If you're taking Joe Mixon as your RB1, how comfortable are you? I'm not as comfortable. Uh, I would, like I said, he would be a latter end one, and that's only – uh, if one of the top two or three receivers is off the board, I would probably take him in, you know, at the latter end, 10, 11, 12, depending on how big the league is. Um, but other than that, I'm probably going to shoot for receiver first and maybe come back for him in the second. For, for me, um, I would be extremely comfortable having him as my RB1. Um, but again, that's because I think that that's that we saw the worst. It's only going to go up from here. Um, and if you tell me that I'm getting him as my RB1, I'm going to have you know, Mark Ingram, Miles Sanders, or Todd Gurley as my second RB, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, I'm completely content with taking Joe Mixon in the first round and making him my RB1. So moving right along here, we've got two more guys going to wrap this up. Um, coming in at number nine, we've got Nick Chubb, who last year finished seventh among running backs at almost 1,500 rushing yards. As Brian mentioned, just fell short of that rushing title. Uh, to Derrick Henry, eight total touchdowns. Brian, you had him finishing at seven again. Um, we're here in Cleveland. We see the circus firsthand. Do you really think that he can repeat those numbers? I don't know if he's going to repeat the numbers necessarily, but I think he'll be in the same ballpark. So 
Uh, as you mentioned, and as we talked about previously, you know, he was on pace to be that leading rusher until Henry's monster game in week 17. And you know, his workload didn't change dramatically throughout the year. So he averaged about 26 touches a game before Kareem Hunt came back from his suspension. And then he still averaged 22 touches a game after that, which it's, it's obviously an important drop off, but it's not huge. And the, the only concern I think I really have around Chubb is that he's not a great pass catcher. Um, you know, he had a couple of really nice catches last year, but he only saw two targets a game once Kareem Hunt returned. So that, I guess, is really my concern with him is while his total touches didn't really drop significantly when Hunt came back, his targets did. And those are obviously a lot more valuable when we start talking about half PPR, PPR leagues. But you know, he gets plenty of work still. They want to, to feed him the ball. They want to get him involved on the ground. And like we've talked about with a couple of these other guys, he's got big playability. You know, it, it does not surprise anybody when they look up and see at the bottom of their screen, uh, Nick Chubb, 90-yard touchdown run. Nobody's shocked by that. He has that kind of ability. And so you know, with, with that, that ability to, to finish plays the way that he can, I still like him as a top 10 running back. I, I, I like Chubb. Um, however, I am concerned about Kareem Hunt because Stefanski will go with the hot hand. If Kareem Hunt, you know, breaks a few big runs, I, I'm afraid that it'll handcuff Chubb quite a bit. I, I actually, if, if you have Chubb, I would do what you can to get Hunt because I think, I think there could be a really big handcuff there. Uh, someone could snatch, snack, snatch Hunt from you and, you know, it could be devastating to your team, not having your running back one, especially if you're counting on Chubb to be your running back one. Now the big playability, obviously, he could break some long. He can break some long runs. Um, he's he's going to get workload. It just depends on how much and what games. There's going to be some inconsistencies there throughout the year, which is why I actually didn't even have him in my top ten. Um, he does have some college injury history. I don't know if that's going to ever play an effect in the, in the NFL, but there is that major knee injury had in Georgia at Georgia. And so that those kinds of things. And also with the Browns, there's so many weapons. They're going to be throwing the ball probably a little bit more than they did last year in some, in some cases, just because of the weapons. And so with so many weapons, I think the production is going to be lost there with the weapons around them uh, within that offense, having, um, added Hooper and now you add you still have Odell you have Landry uh, you've got a new coach in there he's going to want to play with his toys that he has now yeah so I, I think I think there's going to be some of that added in and that's why I have him out of my top 10 at number 11. Yeah you guys both made good points there I think the big thing that you get with Nick Chubb is that big playability that's what people like to see um, when anytime you can look down and see a notification that one of your players just broke off the 70, 90 yard touchdown somewhere in there. Um, you're extremely happy that those notifications make you happy. Um, the big thing, the concern for most was at the end of the year that Kareem Hunt uh, came on a little better. I uh, saw his role expand while Chubb kind of struggled the last couple games. Um, not a ton. I mean, the last couple games, but um, unbelievable pace last year. I think his touches are still going to be there. I would expect him probably to finish more in the thousand to 1200 yard range as opposed to almost 1500 yards he had this year. Um, and I think 
that's just natural regression. As Baker makes better decisions, he develops a bit, and they learn how to properly use their other weapons. I think last year, um, Jarvis Landry finished top 15, which was a big surprise. But Odell, um, I think most people were shocked at how bad he did in fantasy. Um, and then, you know, obviously they didn't have a very good tight end weapon. Joku was hurt. Uh, Demetrius Harris or, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones were your two options there. You add Austin Hooper, um, you know, and Cream Hunt taking on a bigger role. I think it's no, no knock on Nick Chubb. I think he's a fantastic player. He'll have a great year just natural regression as their offense as a whole comes together a little better. And then the last guy on our list coming in at number 10, we've got Leonard Fournette of the Jacksonville Jaguars finished ninth last year with 265 carries for 1,152 yards. Uh, Only three touchdowns though. Jaguars, not a very good season, long, long way off from where they were just a few years ago. Um, almost beating the Patriots in the AFC championship. Now we're a top 10 draft pick. Um, Jason, is it because they're another Florida team or what is it that has you putting him outside of your top 10? He is quite a bit out of my top 10. Um, He's not my favorite back by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, He's just, he's got diva written all over him. He is the running back diva of the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, he still has the high ceiling. I mean, just by, by mere his measurables, he's a big man. He's fast. He, 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 he looks like that prototypical AP type back where he could just be an amazing running back one for you. But Garner Minshew, Garner Minshew is his quarterback. He had some games where he looked pretty good last year. But again, I don't see him as a type of quarterback that's going to make it easier because they have no weapons. Now, what they do in the draft, they do have two first-round picks. We'll see what we do, what he does with those, what they do with those. But as far as Leonard Fournette, at, at best, a lower-tier one in, in, is my opinion of him. I, I would look at him more as a uh, mid-two to low-two, personally. I, I'm not a big fan. I would say his ceiling is a – bottom end one but really uh, I'm not a fan of Leonard Fournette moving on to this year um, that O-line at Jacksonville I don't know if it's going to be any good I don't know if they're going to address any uh, holes on the O-line I don't know if they're going to get any weapons outside to help kind of create more uh, running opportunities I, I I don't know and I'm not I'm not really sold on Leonard Fournette this year but at at a ceiling he could be a running back one I'll give him that much yeah, and I, I think what you what you see from Leonard Fournette, the thing that people really like about him, obviously, is the usage. Um, it's not efficient usage, but he gets a lot of it. Um, last year, he had 341 touches, which is obviously a good number. It's what you really like to see out of your running back. Out of those 341 touches, he had three touchdowns, which is a horrendous number. He scored less than 1% of the time that he touched the ball. And just for comparison's sake, Le'Veon Bell last year, who nobody thinks had a phenomenal year, he still at least had a rate of 1.3%, and he's another one of those usage-dependent usage kind of guys. So um, with Fournette, I think I had him at 10, and barring injury, I expect more touchdowns for sure. That three touchdowns just seems entirely too low for somebody that's used as much as he is. So I think that'll come back. I'm expecting probably more in like the 8 to 10 touchdown range for him. 
So I can certainly see him finishing in the top 10. One interesting note is that he's one of the, the three backs that finished last year with over 1,000 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards. So that usage, I think, is going to continue. And even though it's inefficient, I still think that the scores are going to come, and that obviously leads to more fantasy value. What do you think, Toby? That I, I really like what you just pointed out there, being one of the three backs that had that, because when people think Leonard Fournette, you think big bruiser, just run the ball down people's throats, uh, just trucking people is what you think of. But, um, you know, he, he didn't have a great pass-catching ability, or we didn't see it prior to last year. Um, only 36 and 22 catches in his first two seasons. But last year, at the beginning of the season, uh, preseason, I, I remember specifically they were talking about how they were going to get Leonard Fournette more involved in the passing game. And a lot of people thought it was a joke. They didn't take it seriously because they thought he's not a pass-catching back. Um, but then I last year that. we saw those receptions jump up to 76 almost triple, a little over triple what he had the year before. Um, so it sounds to me that they were serious about implementing him more in the passing game. Um, could be by default because we didn't really have a lot of other options to use in the passing game at running back. But nonetheless, it worked out well for them. Um, the big thing for him, he's a true workhorse, 265 carries, 4.3 yards a carry isn't great, but it's not horrible. Um, the big thing for me, he only had nine touches inside the five last year. And I'm sure that's what led to three touchdowns. Um, that yeah. number has to go up. I can't see them not utilizing someone like him in the red zone more often. Um, Agreed. Another, another point, he's a free agent this, this coming season. Um, they haven't had contract extension talks yet. And I think that they're going to make sure that they get their use out of him before he leaves. I don't see any regression with the touches. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, people point out, you know, that, you know, because of his touches, he's an injury liability. But again, the most he's had um, was his rookie year, 268 attempts. Dealt with injuries in 2018, only 133. And then last year, 265. So that seems like a comfortable number for him. But again, Zeke has had over 300 carries three, three years now. Um, and that's not a question for him. So I think it's a matter of him staying healthy, which he did last year. Um, and last year, he went from 26 targets to 100 targets, as we mentioned before. I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think he's going to continue with another hundred targets, but even if he stays up, you know, somewhere in the middle there, if he stays around the 60 target range and can be, you know, 40 to 50 catches as opposed to 20 or 76, I think that's perfectly fine for him. Um, and that's where I'd see it tapering off, but to only have three touchdowns, that number has to go up just from usage. Um, also, I don't expect them to be a great team, but they will have D.D. Westbrook back. D.J. Chark obviously took a huge step last year. Um, you know, adding Tyler Eifert, if he can stay on the field, another decent option in the passing game. Um, so unless they alter course, uh, we know that he fits their game plan, and he's going to be the man for them. They're going to use him as much as possible. So that rounds out our top 10 fantasy running backs heading into the season pre-draft. again. Following the draft, I'm sure this will change. Following news leading up to or injuries, this will change. But as of right now, these would be your top 10 running backs. Um, closing out, just a quick question. A lot of people wonder with draft strategy, um, you know, we talk a lot about tier one running backs, tier two, same with wide receivers. But obviously running backs are typically first off the board. When would you take a receiver in the running back mix? What running backs for you? 
would have to be off of the board at what, I guess, what number running back and then who would that be for you where when yeah. that person is gone, you say, now I'll take my number one receiver. Yeah. I would my, my, my tops, the top six on this list. Um, when you look at Christian McCaffrey, you look at Saquon, Elliott, Kamara, Cook, Henry, those guys I would probably take. And even, you know what, even, even, even Aaron Jones, I would lean on Aaron Jones after seven, I would take the top receiver. Uh, my top receiver, my top receiver would be DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas. Uh, one of those guys, if they're there at uh, sitting there at number seven or eight, I'm probably going to take him right there as opposed to the next tier of running backs only because you're going to be getting that return coming back in the second round. And one of those guys may fall to you there anyway, coming back in the second round. And so you can, you can kind of take the risk of still landing that guy early in the second. And so that's kind of where I would look at it as far as draft strategy. Once I get past, past cook um, or past Aaron Jones, I'm sorry. Once I get past Aaron Jones, I would take that receiver. I would definitely take that receiver. And then, you know, coming back, you may get, you know, your Leonard Fournette. You may get Nick Chubb. You may get Mixon. Uh, and there's some other backs you may be able to still get in the second round early on that you you may get a, a top tier, top five, top ten running back in the second round. And so that's how I would I would look at it as far as where I would – my cutoff line would be would be right around there six seven somewhere like that uh depending on yeah on how you on how things pan out in their draft yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty close to you there jason for me if i'm sitting at six that's when i'm a little frustrated with my my draft position um i and at that point i'm really hoping that somebody in the top five decides to go out on a limb and take a patrick mahomes or a michael thomas and uh leave one of those top five running backs for me because for me i've got um, McCaffrey first, obviously. I've got Zeke second. I've got Saquon. I feel really good about all three of those. Right behind them, I like Dalvin Cook and Kamara a lot. And then, like I said before, I'm comfortable with Aaron Jones. I like him as my RB1, but he's the first running back that's, that becomes available where I start to question, eh, do I really want him? Do I want Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, somebody like that? So for me, that's, that's the, the spot where I'm, I'm questioning the top receiver versus the top running back. And just a, a quick note kind of along those same lines is it's really important to know who you're drafting with to, to know the tendencies of those guys that are those, those individuals that are in your league, because, you know, if there's a chance that you're sitting at, at six and, you know, somebody in the top five loves Patrick Mahomes more than anybody else, then you might be lucky and have one of those. Oh yeah. That's uh <laughs> that's a, a real life example from a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, if somebody in your league really loves a quarterback or loves a receiver, then you can get lucky at six or seven and still grab one of those top five running backs. But like I said, for me, um, the, the top five is, is where I, I want to be to be able to take a running back that I'm comfortable with. Yeah, a lot of this is based off of your draft position. As Brian said, who you're drafting with. Um, you know, if, if for me, I guess I draw the line. I, I'm a little higher on the running backs. I think they're pretty deep this year. I would go as far as if any of the top eight are available, um, I would probably take them. So that stretches all the way down to Leonard Fournette. Um, if I'm on the board at nine, Leonard Fournette is there, and my number one receiver, Tyreek Hill, is there, or you know, uh, Michael Thomas, 
DeAndre Hopkins, any of those guys, if they're available, I'm still taking Fournette. I don't want to run the risk of missing out on, on that. Uh, you know, we talk about tier one and tier two. I don't want to run the risk of missing out on that tier two section and then having a guy like Todd Gurley being my number one running back on the team with good receivers. Um, you know, I think receivers are very deep, which is one of the big things why people take a running back first. As Jason pointed out, though, another thing you have to factor in is other people's draft strategies. So if I'm drafting and I know that eight running backs have come off the board in the first round, I may take a receiver because I know coming back around, they're going to want to grab a receiver now and get one of the top flight receivers as opposed to, you know, a second or third tier running back to back up their star. Um, so it's all about draft strategy, but, um, you know, I would, I guess somewhere in that five to eight range is probably where you draw the line, depending on who's on the board. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, any questions for your draft free agency, setting up a league, anything of that nature, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at cover three fantasy podcast. Um, feel free to reach out, um, anytime. We're here to answer your questions. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to cover the next top 10 rankings. Look forward to it. Until then, we'll see you.